You know, we, we, we get so reserved sometimes in our, in our expression of worship. See, today we're talking, we're ending the series, but of course we're not going to end our lifestyle. This is just the beginning. I hope you've learned some things during this, this series on worship. But today we're talking about our response. We're talking about our response. Really, a response is just an answer. It's just a reply to something. When you respond, somebody says hello, you respond to them. Hello, you're, go away, whatever, you know. You, however you respond to people, we respond. And when things happen to us, there's always a response in our life for everything that comes at us, and we have to respond. So that day, that, that was James Brolin, by the way. Anybody remember James Brolin? I looked him up because I thought, man, that dude, this is an old film. Because he, I looked him up and I Googled him. He's like 82 years old now, the dude that played Peter. Yeah. And I thought, wow, he's, he's getting old. And so that, that's an old video. But I couldn't find a, a current one, a new one, that had that expression of a man that was healed by God and how he was like praising and leaping and jumping. Yeah, you couldn't shut that guy up. You know, he's probably signing up for every 5K run, whatever you can get him. He said, sign me up. I've been missing all these all my life. I want to run. I want to walk. I want to I do whatever I can for Jesus Christ. You know what the interesting thing was? We talked about Hezekiah for the last couple of weeks and how the, they cleansed the temple. Then last week about coming into the temple. You know, the first thing he wanted to do was go into the temple. He wanted to go into the house of the Lord. He wanted to worship God. You know, we, have, we have a lot of empty seats here this morning. And I know some of it's because people are on, on, out of town for Labor Day weekend. But we have this place should be just packed and overflowing with people. Listen, we've had enough people to fill this place twice over in the last two or three years just from baptisms. You know, if you know somebody that's been baptized here and they're, not sti- they're still not coming, but you know them, you need to get on the phone and say, have you forgotten what God did for you? You need to get back into the house of the Lord. You need to show Him how much you love Him and, and appreciate what He's done for you in your life. Listen, we, we have this opportunity in America still to come into the house of the Lord and worship Him freely. Not every place can do that. So we should take advantage of what God has blessed us with as a nation still to come and worship the Lord. In Acts 3.8 it says, So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. When's the last time you leapt praising God? When's the last time you shouted a little bit too loud for somebody and you scared your neighbor because in the backyard you were worshiping God? You know, it wasn't because a snake crawled in between your legs. It's because something God just spoke to you and you had an encounter with God and you just began to praise Him. They're like, wonder, wonder what's going on over there. What's happening over at that house? Because I just hear a lot of this, the joyful, this praising. You know, when Bill, when Bill Hale gave his testimony, it, it was about he, he, a guy across the street came over and said, there's some music going over here and there's some, there's some Jesus folks over here doing some music. And this is back in the 60s, the 70s, where he said we was invited to go over to a place where they were praising and worshiping Jesus. And that's where he found Jesus. And are, is it happening in your homes or are you just waiting to bring it here on a Sunday morning? I hope it's happening all the time in your home because we are supposed to be a house of worship. We say, I am a house. I am the temple of God. I'm a tabernacle. I'm a tent. You know, we're temporary, so we're tents. We're tabernacles. And so he wants to tabernacle with you this morning. He wants to tabernacle with you when you leave this place, when you get in your car, when you go home, when you go to work, when you go to school. He wants to be a part of your everyday lifestyle of worship. And here's the thing. We could focus on this man that was healed this morning. All I wanted to do was set the stage for this message because we're not focusing on him. 
That, that's just a given, Beto. If, you, if you're crippled all your life and you get healed all of a sudden, that it's just a given. You're going to jump up and then you're going to praise God, right, Michelle? You're going to have, man, nobody's going to be able to stop you. But what I want us to focus on today is our lifestyle of worship. So I'm really going to focus on Peter and John more than we are on the man that was healed. Okay, is it okay? Because that's who we are. That's who we are. We are disciples of the living God. We are disciples of Christ. We are followers of Jesus. We are Christians. And so we should be doing what Peter and John did. Oh, okay. I, I shouldn't have to do that or something like that. Okay? That's, that's, that should be our normal, everyday walking about life. We're going to do a walk about today, and we're going to see people healed in the name of Jesus. Right? Hey, Steve. What's up, brother? Walk about. Okay. So, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. And we're going to look at our, how they have example to us and portrayed to us a lifestyle of worship. What is worship? It's getting, giving, giving worth to something, to someone. So we give worth to Jesus Christ. Amen? That was the first, that was the first part of the series on worship. The worth of Jesus Christ, who He is. Acts 3 chapter 1. Chapter 3, verse 1, and this is in the New King James, and we'll kind of get through this, this chapter and touch on a few subjects, okay? Now, Peter and John went up, up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, that's money, from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him. Now, if you just stop there... And fixing his eyes on him. This wasn't the man begging, fixing his eyes on Peter and John. This was Peter fixing his eyes on the beggar. In other words, quit looking and missing. Start looking and seeing who God's put in front of you. Quit looking and, and missing all these blessings and all these opportunities. Start looking at God when he focuses and gives your attention to someone or something. Start focusing on who God calls you to look at. So it says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. You know what we do when we see somebody begging? We look away. We don't want them to see us. You know, you drive up in the corner and they've got that sign, we'll work for food. And you're just kind of like, man, I hope this light turns green quick. <laughs> All right? I mean, I'm, let's just be honest. We're, we're, we just don't, we don't make eye contact with them. And you know, you got to go to New York and ride in the subway. Nobody makes eye contact with anybody. They, they just don't. It's just the weirdest thing. They just say, don't look at anybody. Say, okay. So you just, what do you do? You, you, that's why you look at this. That's why you look at your phone. Don't look at anybody. He said he fixed his eyes on him. He said, look at us. So he, the alms, the man asking for alms, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So the first thing I want you to see about Peter and John is that they responded to the call. Say, responded to the call. They responded to the call on their lives when Jesus Christ said, come and follow me. He, Jesus called them, and for three years he taught them, he equipped them, and no matter what they did wrong, the things that they said wrong, the, 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 the way they denied, the, Peter denied, all that, all that was under the blood, okay? It's under the blood. And so they have been called to follow Christ and to do what call, Jesus had called them to do. Everyone in view in here has been called by God. You've been called by Jesus Christ to follow him. And what does following him look like? It looks like a lifestyle of worship. See, not everybody that Jesus called followed him. Did you know that? The rich young ruler, he came and Jesus said, okay, come and sell everything you've got. Come and follow me. The rich young ruler said, ah, I got a 
lot of money. I think I'll just keep my money. And he went away. And it said Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he walked away sorrowfully. The man walked away sorrowfully. There were, there were others throughout Scripture. The, the Pharisees, they would come to Jesus and ask him all these questions. And they said, here was their response to Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify him. Let's put him to death. He's a criminal. He's a thief. He can't be the son of God. So they had a response to Jesus Christ. Everybody, listen. When, when Jesus cast the demon out of, out of the man at, at, at uh, and the, the, the demoniac, at the Gadarene demoniac, he cast the, the, the demons out of him. Remember they went into the pigs, right? And he cast the demons out. What did that man, what was his response to Jesus? He said, can I go with you? I'm going to go with you. And Jesus said, that's a great response, but I need you to go back to your family. I want you to go back and be a witness for me wherever you go. So there was a response there. I want to tell you this morning, every time you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, it's required, a response is required. You cannot go have an encounter with Jesus Christ without a response being made. And sometimes our response is, I don't have time for you. And that's a response. Sometimes it is, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to go. What do you have for me to do? That's a response. We have all sorts of responses, and they're all through the Word of God. And some said yes, some said no, some said maybe, some said later. But everybody responds. He's a polarizing figure, if you want to call him that. He's, a, he's polarizing because you can't, you can't just... Walk away from him and say nothing. You, can't, you have to make a decision for Christ today. See, some of you are going to make a decision for Christ today. I believe in this room, some of you are going to make a decision for Christ. And you're going to, be respond, you're going to respond to him because the Holy Spirit has tugged on your heart. And you're going to say yes today to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Some of you are going to respond today. And you've been walking with Jesus, but you've kind of fallen off the wagon, so to speak. You, you've started looking at other directions. You're not following him in obedience. And today you're going to have a response. You'll have to make a response to him today at the time of invitation. Am I going to get back on track with Jesus? Or, or is I, am I going to keep doing my own thing? There's always a response. Every day you wake up, you have to have a response to Jesus Christ. Say response. So are you going to respond to the call? You know, one of the calls on their life, Joe, was that the Bible says in, in Mark 16 that we would lay our hands on the sick and they would recover. Do you think John and Peter believe that? They believed it because they did it. They, they, and it, you notice, he, we, we have a way we think we're going to do everything. We have a formula. We're going to pray a certain way and do a certain thing. But listen, if you're not hearing the voice of God, you can do it in the wrong way. You know that? Because here's Peter. He didn't go, okay, everybody, let's bring some oil over here. Let's anoint this man. Let's, let's pray for him. Let's gather. Let's have, let's have a prayer meeting now. And we're going to, you know what he did? He walked over to the man. Give me your hand. And he raised him up. He lifted him up. He laid his hands on him, didn't he? He laid his hand. Thank you, Lorenzo. It's his birthday today. Say happy birthday to Lorenzo. Knock how I worked that in. <laughs> Have you responded to the call of God on your life today? Verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Can you just, if he had pockets, he was probably turning them out. You know the picture of the, uh, of the daddy at the wedding, and he's like broke because the wedding cost so much. And he's just probably pulled his pockets out and said, hey, silver and gold, I have no money. I have no crypto. <laughs> I, have no I have no debit card. I have no cash. <laughs> he said, but I've got something that you need. He said, I've got something you need. And he said, what I give to you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Do you think he said that with, uh, uh, right. you, you, you want to get it? 
You want to get out? Come, come on, just try it. Come on, just try, just a little bit. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. No, he said, rise up and walk. I, I've had this authority. We've been singing about authority this morning. We have a, you have authority in Christ to command some things and to believe some things. If it's in his word and he says for us to do it, then we have the authority to do what he said for us to do. Amen? Amen. So he reaches out and he takes him by the right hand and he lifts him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. I don't even know how that would feel. A snap, crackle, and pop. I don't even know. Pow, 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 pow. Wow, wow, wow. You know, can you imagine? We, we just, we see the video, and we're like, but can you imagine the sound that was making? The, the blood vessels start flowing up. Pow, pow, pow. He's like, pow. he's like, there's probably like a, a, a song going on in his legs. A rap song, you know? And he just, he's, all of a sudden, he's like fired up. And it says, so he, he, he felt the strength in his bones, and it said he leaping up. He didn't even know what it meant to leap up. He didn't know how to leap up, but he leapt up. See, some of you, I don't know how to do that. And God says, I can do that through you. Oh, God, I'm not strong enough. I'm, God says, I'm strong. Oh, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't speak, Moses said. I stutter. And he said, that's okay. I've got, I got a cure for that one, too. I got your brother Aaron. Did you notice later on you never read about Moses stuttering anymore? He, it never, he talked all the time. He couldn't shut him up, you know? That's why we have Ten Commandments instead of Twenty. He didn't stutter anymore. Ah, that's a bad joke. Oh, sorry, Lord. Now Moses is probably going, that's pretty funny, you know. Cloud of witnesses, whatever. All right. I, love, I have fun preaching. I'm the, I just do. It's just, the Word of God, is, to me, is just a joyful thing. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Listen, I'm filled with wonder and amazement that God rescued you from a dumpster. And he kept you from being crushed to death, Albert, for such a time as this. Somebody today heard your testimony, Albert, and they feel crushed. They, they may not be in a dumpster, but they feel like they're being crushed today. And you feel like you're in the dumpster of life today. You may look good. You may have on a really nice shirt. You may be dressed nice, but you feel like you're in the dumpster of life today. And you're being crushed. And that truck just coming and taking you to the landfill. See, if he wouldn't have been rescued, he would have been buried in the landfill. Probably nobody would have ever found him because he was homeless. But God, but God, he pulled you, he pulled me out of the dumpster. He pulled us out of the dumpster. He's rescued us. So if you feel like you're being crushed today, when we give the invitation, you ought to be the first one down here to this altar. I don't care if it, don't feel, don't think about being embarrassed. Say, God, I, I, need, I need help. And he's here for you. He wants to touch your life. He wants to rescue you today. The second thing I want you to see is they responded to the need. Say responding to the need. You know, everything, is, everything about God is, is about timing. He's the God of time, and He's the God of no time. Isn't that crazy? He's the God of timing, and He's the God of... Because His timing is always correct. Say, God's always on time. Say, I may have been late to church this morning, but God's always on time, right? It's, it still amazes me that it, at 10 o'clock, we're like half full, and then 10, 15, it's like, boom! All of a sudden, like, where did all these people come from? But God's always on time. Here's the thing. Jesus, who walked by this man many times, 
You know how I know that? Because Jesus went to the temple many times in that, in that period of his life. He walked to the temple. And, but it says, they brought this man how many times, every, how many times a week? He, they they him every, every day. Every day they carried this man and they set him down. And I'm sure Jesus walked by and said, well, I know there's a day coming for you, buddy. I know. I'm not going to do it today. I, there's some other people that need to see a miracle. And so we're going we're gonna to wait a little bit. Can you just hang on? You can keep begging. You can keep doing that. But there's a day coming. I got two guys that I've been grooming for this. I got two guys I've been working with. And they're scoundrels sometimes. This, this Peter, man, he is a, he's a mess. You ought to hear the way he talks to me. And I'm Jesus, you know. I'm the son of God. And John, his mother, comes to me and wants me to put him on the right hand and James on the other. I'm telling these guys, but listen, there's a day coming and they're going to come by and they're going to speak to you and they're going to reach their hand out to you and you're going to stand up. God's timing, guys. That's why I tell people, well, I've been prayed for and nothing happened. Well, keep getting prayed for because God's timing. It may not be the time, but today may be the time. So you've got to trust God in all these things. But they, were, they responded to a need. They could have just walked by, but I know that I know that I know because they were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that when they walked by, Jesus said, Peter, stop and look at that man. He probably wasn't the only beggar there that day. They would bring him, they would bring the lame, they would set him all over the place. And that day, Jesus' Holy Spirit said, Peter, I know John's not paying as much attention as you, but listen. You stop and you look at that man. Who have you quit looking at? Who have you given up on? Who have you thought, I'm not going to pray for them anymore because they just, not, they just don't have the faith? And today God says, no, start praying again. Start believing. Get your hands ready to lay them on somebody, to lift somebody up. You know, you can lift them up physically. You may be lifting them up spiritually. You may be lifting them up emotionally. There's a lot of ways you can lift people up. But guys, that's who we're supposed to be as Christians. We are edifiers. We build people up. We don't tear people down. Did you notice they didn't stop and go, hey, yeah, you deserve to be there. Yeah, I think you're going to be doing that the rest of your life, man. You just, you must have really messed up when you were a kid. I don't know. I don't think there's any hope for you. Does that sound like Jesus? Not at all. So sometimes we take, we, sometimes we receive that because somebody said that to us. Somebody's word cursed us and said, you, you deserve what you got. You made your bed lie in it. Man, I'm so glad God didn't do that to me. <laughs> you, you did that. You got yourself in this mess, Harold. You're going to have to get yourself out. And I said, well, God, you're the God. No, God comes and he, he rescues us. He rescues the perishing. He cares for the dying. His timing is always right. Verse 11, now is that lame man who was healed held on to Peter. <laughs> held on to Peter and John. And all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded, there's that word, responded, to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer, that was Barabbas, to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life. Woo! What an indictment. 
you kill the prince of L-I-F-E, life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. We saw it happen. And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and you know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, given him this per has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He said, you know this man. You know how long he's been here. We didn't do this. The, the, the third response is the response to fame. You may think, well, what do you mean the response to fame? Because sometimes we get attached to our ministry and then all of a sudden we think we're all that in a bag of chips. I don't know where that expression came from, but it's a pretty good one. <laughs> as long as they're Frito-Lay. <laughs> the original, not the baked ones. <laughs> or if you like me, you like the cracked pepper ones. Ooh, those are good. Sometimes we can get caught up in ourselves. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. You know, I, I've, I get emails all the time. And I look at anyone on Facebook at all these ministers that have fallen. And most ministers that have fallen, you know what they've fallen from? Uh, immorality. Uh, because they got to thinking they were 10 feet tall and bulletproof. They got really prideful. Peter and John could have gone, yeah, yeah we're cool. We did this. Come, come, show them everything. Jump, leap, praise. Yeah, yeah, we were just walking one day, and, you know, I just said, hey, get up, you know, and get up, you know. And Jesus, man, you see, I hung out with Jesus. I can do what he did, and, and now look what I am. Look, look at me. Look at me. Peter says, look at me. Now, he didn't do that, did he? See, if, if you respond to somebody's adoration, you can get in trouble. If you respond to somebody like always building you up and pumping you up, all of a sudden you can forget about God doing all that all that he's doing in you and through you, and you can begin to think that it's you. And that's why we're very careful to preach about humility here, especially if you're in the ministry, because you sometimes ministers take on their ministry. They, take, they, they start holding on to it like it's their baby. Remember I was telling you about how we were at that one church and Marilyn wanted to play the, the organ, and the lady had the key to the organ. It's one of those kinds that locked. She said, no, you can't play that organ. It's my organ, right? And she, she had taken ownership of what the church, it belonged to the church. So you can take ownership in a bad way. I, I'm not saying you can't take ownership of some things, but you can take ownership in a bad way in certain areas in ministry when you think that it's you that's doing everything. So you can respond to fame in the wrong way. All right, let me ask you this. If you want, listen, if you, if you have the gift of healing and you want to pray for somebody to be healed and they're healed and you get the credit for it, hallelujah. But I want you to know, if you're going to take credit for when they get healed, then you need to take credit for when it doesn't happen. Ooh, ooh, okay, we'll just move on from there. Verse 17. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, and did also your, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. The fourth thing I want you to see is they responded with love. They responded with grace. E either one, they worked there. You see, so many times uh, we are quick to respond with condemnation. And he spoke the truth to them. Yes, he said, you did this, you killed, it, you killed Jesus, uh, and you, you made some bad decisions. But then he says, but you did it in ignorance. Isn't that what it says there? I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. That's the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and, and, all, and, and the government of the church. 
that those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. Guys, we've got to get back to the way of speaking the truth, both speaking it in love. I don't know what, what you put on Facebook. I mean, I see some, some things that people put on Facebook. But if, as, as far as I can tell, the majority of this body, you do things in love. If you're going to write something on Facebook, always make sure, does this, is this out of love? Is it, or is this out of anger? Or is this out of resentment? Or is this out of hatred? Or is this out of, I think I'm better than anybody else? Or I've got the right, I've got the right mindset and everybody else is wrong? I mean, we've got to start speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, Paul says this about a mature Christian. He says, speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things in him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth and love. Speaking the way, speaking in grace. Quit trying to put people in their place because Jesus is, that's Jesus' job. Jesus will take care of those things. Quit trying to try, manipulate and control people by the way you point your fingers at them, the way you talk to them, how you downgrade them. Uh, somebody said, well, y'all put, y'all put uh, Joe, did, Joe did this. I didn't do it. But on that the little video I made about the colors that we we're wearing, okay? Y'all see the, how many of you saw the video? Okay, most of you did. It, it the, on, on the um, telling my story thing, it had rainbows on there. And somebody came to and said, oh, you shouldn't put rainbows on there. So why not? You know, because rainbows are, as far as I remember, they're created by God. Right? right? Yes. Well, you never know. If they see rainbows, they, you know, the LGBTQ may come in here. And I said, come on in. Bring them in here so they can hear the truth spoken in love. Yes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not. Listen, I, I, I'm... I fear God enough to say, I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to speak it in love. And we have testimonies in this place of people go, you know, I used to believe this way, and, 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 and you spoke it, but you spoke it with love, and God changed the way I thought about certain things, about, about, about my, my, my gender, and God has changed people's lives in this place because you have heard the truth, but it should be always spoken in love. In all of our groups, all of our life groups, speak the truth in love. Amen. Proverbs 51 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, God, I would be, rather be known as a lover of God than a great debater. Can I say that again? I would rather be known as a lover of God and a lover of people than a great debater. I know people that can debate. And they can, they can push you under the... They can slam you to the floor so fast with their theology... And their knowledge. And you know when, when they finally get to that place where they do slam you under the table? Because they know so much, they get puffed up with pride. And they're not speaking the truth in love. So if you're a great debater, consider that this morning. How about being a great lover of Jesus Christ and a lover of people? Okay? Verse 19, repent therefore. Oh, that, that fits right there. Repent therefore. And be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, which is... What well, we've talked about next week happening with Dr. Simpebwa next Saturday and Sunday. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's called worship. Times of refreshing come when we come into the presence of the Lord. Somebody asked me, why did you want all the colors this morning? I said, you know, I just thought, this, to me, it was like... God, we love you so much, and you're so creative, and you're so awesome. And I just want us to express, not just in our, in, in our voices, but I want us to express even with our clothing how much we love God. And, and if you didn't wear color, that's okay. Not everybody got the, the memo. Not everybody's on Facebook. And so I, you're, you're forgiven, okay? If you wore black today, you're forgiven. 
<coughs> Betty Jones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> repent, therefore, and be converted. That means you're going to have to go find some colorful shirt. <laughs> okay. The times of may refreshing may come. Listen, isn't that just beautiful? Times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. doesn't come in the presence of an, a person, a place, or a thing. Even though times of refreshing can come from that. I mean, I'm, I'm the first one when this rain came. I had my cup of coffee and my on the balcony just listening and watching and smelling. And just, it's a time of refreshing. But you know who was there with me? The Lord was there with me. I, I believe Jesus, he loves coffee. He invented coffee, you know? <laughs> Created it. But I'm telling you, just get along with Jesus. Get you a cup of coffee or tea or... I don't think you can get with him in a Red Bull. I don't know. But, but get, out, get, get with Jesus and have a time of refreshing. Get in his presence. Without anybody else being around, just get with him by yourself, if it's possible. I know some of you have kids and you have a lot of people in your life and it's really hard to get alone, but I suggest it. Verse 20, And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the word world began. For M Moses truly said to the fathers, now I want you to see how brilliant Peter is. Now he's doing this by the Holy Spirit, of course. But he's bringing them in, all of these Jews, and he's referring them to the word that they know, okay? That's how you bring somebody into a conversation about Jesus find something that they identify with. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. He's talking about Jesus, okay? And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. It's always important that we respond with the word of God. Listen, if, if you don't know the Word of God, then you need to learn the Word of God. Uh, don't wait for somebody else to teach you the Word of God. You have a Bible. They're available online. They're free. There are Bibles. Most of you have more than five, probably six, seven, ten Bibles in your home. You've got every translation at your fingertips if you have a phone. And you, there's no excuse for not getting into the Word of God. There's just no excuse. So I, I pray today that God gives you a hunger for the Word so that you can start getting the Word in you so you can start having a conversation with somebody about Jesus, about what He did, what He did for you, what He did in His life, who, what He was about, who He is, who He was and is and is to come. Amen? So you need to learn the Word of God. That's how Peter engaged these people. He says, this is what the prophets have said and this is the one that you crucified. And they're going, hmm, maybe he's right. He seems to know the Word of God. He seems to be pretty sharp. And so they had to start contemplating what kind of response they were going to have to this man who knew the Word of God. Listen, if we don't know the truth, the enemy will pour his lies into you until they become truth to you. A lot of people believe that the devil's right here. I don't believe he's here. You've heard me say this before. I think he hangs out in Washington, D.C. or Hollywood or the Middle East. 
He can only be one place at one time. He has his demons. He has his minions. He has all of that. But we have to find that place within us today where we receive the Holy Spirit in his word today. And we don't have to call out and come against the, the plan of the enemy all the time. We have to come in agreement with the word of God today. So many times we focus on everything the enemy's doing and we forget to focus on everything that God's doing. Don't we? The enemy's job is to plant a lie and then he walks away. If he can just get you to believe one little lie, then he'll walk away and then you have to deal with that. And that lie, eventually, if you don't deal with it, becomes the truth to you. If your parents had told you all your life since you were a little child that red was blue and you were raised up and at some point in your life somebody would say, no, red's not blue. Blue is blue. But you had to have a change of heart, right? So if the devil tells you that you are nobody and you believe the lie that you're a nobody, that you're worthless, until somebody and you have an encounter with Jesus or some one of his followers says, oh, you are not a nobody. You are a somebody because Jesus didn't die for nobodies. He died for somebodies. You're worthy. To be, if you weren't worthy, he wouldn't have died for you. You know why you're worthy? Because he created you. Second Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Listen, if we're not willing to teach the truth, if you don't know the truth, you can't teach the truth. But once you know the truth, you need to start teaching the truth because the world's going to teach the lie. And the world's doing a really good job of bombarding media, social media, television, movies, you music. They, they bombard all of, these, uh, all of these senses that we see and hear and even smell. And now we have to, oh, how am I going to cut through all of that crud? You cut through it with what? The sharp edge of the Word of God. It cuts both ways. But if you don't know the Word of God, guys, you're just going to get sucked into the dumpster. You're going to get sucked into the dumpster. The Word of God is beautiful. It's powerful. And you need to get a hold of it, church. You can't just get it on Sunday morning. You can't just get it on Wednesday night. You need to get the Word in you. You know, you might be caught in a situation where you can't... Oh. I, my phone's dead. How am I going to look up a scripture to combat the enemy here? You may not have it. might be dead. You need to have it here. You need to have enough of it here. Have the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Amen? Verse 25. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with their fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the... Families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, send him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Ooh, what, what Peter was saying here is, I'm going to respond in hope. We should be the most hopeful people in all the world. And you're know, like a car that you have a hard time starting. <laughs> or lawn, lawnmower, the old rope lawnmower. 
You know, you know. This kid's going, what? A rope on a lawnmower? Was it a, you're a cowboy? They don't have those anymore, do they? They do? They have ropes that you start the lawnmower with? Okay. Sorry, I didn't know that. Yeah, they have battery-operated ones now, Joe. Just plug the battery in. They start right up. We should be the most hopeful people in all the world. There we go. You know what? You can't, listen, you can't stay in God's presence to be a grumbler and a complainer. It's impossible. Did you hear me? If you are in God's presence... Grumbling and complaining just can't be a part of you because you're, you're in the midst of worshiping Him. You know why, that, you know why that I say that's so? Because when you're in the midst of His presence, your focus is on Him and not on you. And once you get out of His presence and your focus gets back on you, that's when, you go, that's when your lips start dropping down. That's when, you, that's when you hear the dumpster door closing. I'm going to use this for a long time, Albert, about the dumpster. <laughs> that, that's just a great illustration. You're... Glad you could go through that so I'd have a sermon illustration. God bless you. We'll do a reenact. No, let's don't do that. Joe's already got the wheel spinning on the video. Yeah. Where's Robert per- Searles? Can you arrange that with the Republic? Okay, all right. We'll get a younger version of Albert to do it, though. Okay. Responding with hope. He is sitting there telling these guys, you've done this to Jesus, but here's a way out. He died for you. He offered Jesus. He was giving them a, an opportunity. He said, listen, you're still alive. You're breathing. You've got hope. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. You know, some people just simply respond with fear. When they're presented and have an encounter with Jesus, they respond with fear. And you know, the people that respond the most with fear is the people that want to have control. And they were fearful. I believe that their biggest fear was losing control. Uh, we're the Pharisees. We're the Sadducees. We run this thing. We uh, we got the high priest. We we we've got this show. We're running this show, and and no Jesus people are going to step in on our territory. That's pretty much what they were saying. So y'all shut up talking about Jesus, and we may let you go. Okay. So they just said, No, these these we can't allow this. See, that's the enemy right there. He says, I I'm, I can't allow y'all to talk about Jesus. And that's why I want to make more and more laws that make you shut up in school. And I want to make more and more laws that make you shut up in public. I want to make more and more laws so you can't do what, I want, what, what, the, what Jesus wants you to do. Right? And he's working on that. But here's the thing. We still have freedom in Christ. I don't care what the law says. I don't. I really don't. He said I would rather obey God than man. And you've got to come to that place, church. 
You've got to make a decision. You, you, you're, there's a line in the sand being drawn right now by our government. It says, if you say this, you're going to get in trouble. And you know what? You say, I can't help but tell of the things that Jesus Christ has done in my life. I can't help but tell you about my life. And I can't give credit to the government for it. I have to give credit to Jesus Christ. Verse 4. How many, however many of those who heard the word believed... And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. The last point I want to make this morning is some will respond with faith. How many of you responded with faith? If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to have a big invitation today. A lot of people coming. You responded with faith. You might have been thinking, well, I responded from my heart. You responded with faith. You know how I know that? Because you can't come to him without faith. That's the only way you can come to Jesus Christ. We have, listen, when you tell the story, it sounds like, it sounds like something out of a, a, a fable, right? This doesn't seem right that you mean there's a God and he has a son. Well, who's, who's the wife? Uh, okay, so he has a son and he's, God's in like three parts. He's a father and he's a son and he's the Holy Spirit. And he, God, whoever that is, sent his son from heaven, wherever that is, to earth. And he was born in a stable like 2,000. Listen, you tell that story to somebody and they're just going to go, you nuts. Until faith rises up in you. And the faith that God gave you says, you know what? The Bible's true. Every word of it. My son did come. Maybe not on Christmas morning. My son did come. My son did live. My son did die. My son did raise from the dead. I raised my son from the dead so that you could have life and have it everlasting. And there is a heaven and there is a hell. And you have a choice where you want to spend eternity. Listen, that's real. By faith, I know that. I can, I can show you in the book, but you can say, I don't believe the book. Listen, by faith, you have to receive that or you reject it. But there's always going to be a response. Because His Holy Spirit will require a response. You're drawn by the Father who sends the Spirit of God. And you listen, that day I gave my life to Jesus, it was ta-thump, ta-thump, ta-thump. Man, I was like, I'm, I've been running from you, God. I know. I, I've played church. I've done everything. I've done the wrong things. Listen, I need you. And God, would you, would you please forgive me? And, and I surrender my life. I repent. And God came into my life. And I, by faith, I know that, that I know that I know that when I die, I will be standing before Jesus Christ. And you will too, if by faith you receive that message. But today, you can reject the message. Your response can be, oh, that guy's crazy. That word is crazy. I, don't, I can't believe that. But I'm telling you this morning, he's already released faith in this room for you to believe. Amen. Not me. He has. Amen. I can't save you. Ed can't save you. Ron Campbell can't save you. No, nobody can save you except Jesus Christ. I can pray for you. I can lead you. I can like lead a horse to water. But I, you can't make the horse drink. I can't make you get saved. I can't make you live for Jesus. I couldn't make my son obey me at a point in my life. I couldn't. And you know what God said? Give him to me. I gave him to Jesus. I give you to Jesus today. I can't fix you. 
the person next to you can't fix you. Much as they may try. We all have tried it. We've all tried to fix people. It's the most frustrating thing you can ever do. It is so frustrating. I think the devil says, keep trying. <laughs> Just keep trying. You know, in our trying, sometimes we push people so far away from God. It just said, of saying, God, that you love them more than I could possibly love them. Matter of fact, I'm not really happy with them right now. So, Lord, I give them to you. <laughs> it's your problem. God says, hey, I can deal with that. He loves, he loves you. So I want you to stand this morning.